0: The game is over. The New York Jets are the world champion. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait.
1: You're listening to the official Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. Jets Nation, what's going on? Ethan Greenberg here alongside Eric Allen. Bringing you the game preview on the official Jets podcast. Of course, this Sunday, Jets Falcons at the midway point of the regular season. The Jets trying to climb to 500, trying to snap a two-game slide here at MetLife Stadium. EA, we have a great show today. We're going to bring in D. Orlando Ledbetter, also known D. as D. Led down from, from the Atlanta
2: Journal Constitution, and then of
1: course Chad Pennington, as always. EA. The Falcons, okay? Everyone knows last year, NFC champions, very powerful offense, 3-3 three and three so far this year. Ironically, 0-3 against the AFC East. And the Falcons are playing each team in the AFC East in consecutive order. So the last four weeks will come against AFC East opponents after this Sunday. So last week against Miami, one of the big themes is penalties, right? 12 yep. penalties against the Dolphins. We all know what happened. How do the Jets go about fixing it? And how significant are penalties against this offense that is top 10 in the league right now?
2: Well, Todd Bowles talked about it that they've already been doing some stuff at practice. I think during the conference calls. Earlier this week, Leonard Williams said,
0: "One thing Coach Bowles been making us do is I run gashes or something like that if we mess up on practice, and my you know guys obviously want to uh, you know hate run after the practice, so it makes us really focused during practice to not get penalties, and uh, you know that leads
2: to the game." And then Todd Bowles was asked about it. He's not going to be too specific about it, but uh, this is something I will actually write in my storylines piece this week: is that the yellow has Todd Bowles seeing red. That's one thing that he's not going to put up with from his team. They had over 100 yards in penalties against the Dolphins. They now lead the NFL as far as penalty yardage marked against them. So they're going to be doing different things at practice this week. They already have officials out there, as you know, Greens. That's something you saw throughout the spring in training camp. But uh, I would anticipate the Jets being a much more disciplined crew this week against Atlanta. To your question, yeah, listen, you can't give this Atlanta offense that is has hit kind of a bump in the road. They did not play very well against New England, moved the ball at times, couldn't finish. You can't give them extra opportunities. That's what penalties ultimately do is they give free yardage and they give extra opportunities. Matt Ryan, while he's not putting up the numbers he had last season, he's still a terrific quarterback. We think about Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu. I love their running backs, DeMonte Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Conversely, I really like a lot of the things the Jets are doing on both sides of the ball, and I thought they were fantastic against the run against J.J. last week.
1: You talked about Matt Ryan and that he's now putting up similar numbers to last year when he was the MVP of the NFL. Last year he threw seven picks in the entire season. Through seven weeks, eight weeks, he's thrown six picks. So clearly not on the same page, maybe. It's attributed to the new offense with Steve Sarkeesian because, of course, Kyle Shanahan now head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. And bringing in one more theme from this Miami game looking forward is the killer instinct. And Coach Bowles immediately after the game says, At some point, we
2: got to develop some killer instinct to this ball game.
1: What does that mean to you, and how do you think the Jets go about fixing it. Well,
2: it just means finishing. It means uh, if you're an offense and you got a lead in the fourth quarter and you played really well throughout the game and you're John Morton, who has been phenomenal for this team, you know, the one thing that he's going to be disappointed about in his unit is that they weren't able to get any first downs. They had one first down in the fourth quarter with the lead, Matt Forte, an 11 yard run. Conversely, defensively, we can go back and look at some of the penalties. Uh, you know, there were some penalties on those drives, and they were giving up uh, short possessions that led to touchdowns. But as DeMario Davis said, hey, listen, yes, yeah, sometimes they're going to be in scoring territory, but you have to prevent touchdowns. You make them kick field goals, and then you'll be able to hold on to a 14-point lead or build upon it. I think – ultimately greens when you're up 28 14 it's not thinking how do we get out of here and start the bus it's more along the lines of how do we put another touchdown on the board
1: before we check in with D Led, we can't leave a sour taste in the mouth of Jets fans so let me ask you this is what did you like from Sunday's game because there was a lot of good to pick oh away my from god there
2: was so much to like uh, again I talk we talk about more in each and every week the screen game was fantastic um, The Jets capitalized on takeaways. They had two takeaways. They finished with 14 points. Yes, I know the one drive was one yard or two yards. But uh, then you got to give the defense a lot of credit because they stopped the run. I thought they were better getting after the quarterback. And they came up with the takeaways. How about Jamal Adams with the blitz, the deflection, and Muhammad Wilkerson with the interception? I thought that was Mo Wilkes' best game in 2017, so that's an another, another encouraging point. On his point. birthday. On his birthday, his 28th birthday, uh, Marcus May was uh, he was excellent. Uh, he's up playing in the run. He had the interception. He might have had another one. Uh, there's a lot of things you can look at, but you know, right now the Jets are about cleaning up the stakes, looking ahead to Atlanta. And I anticipate they'll have a better performance for 60 minutes this week at my life stadium.
1: And whatever the Jets take, whatever they eat the morning before they play J.A.J.I., it's phenomenal because J.A.J.I. got stuffed this game. He had 23 carries for under 50 yards. That's an average of if just over two. I think he had just
2: over 50 yards, right? So when that, he had that first game was 11 carries, 16 yards. Yeah, J.A.J.I. is going to be happy. He doesn't have to see the Jets again this year. All right, Greens. Let's bring in D. Orlando Ledbetter, better known as D. Led down there in the ATL. He covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for a long time during his illustrious career. Uh, D. Led, you wrote the other day that the Falcons had a team meeting following a loss to the New England Patriots, their third consecutive loss. What kind of issues were aired out uh, between the players? Well, you know just the uh they're playing hard uh
3: they're not there's no issues there with regards to the effort that's being uh put out on the field but they're not executing in, in uh you know a, a, an elite way they're not playing like they did last year uh you know there are some uh, uh issues with regards to you know play calling uh but you know they don't care who what's called they want to execute you know the uh, you got a block field goal you got a miss field goal you got uh, you know, you're moving the ball between the 30s and not scoring in the red zone. You know, they got a lot of issues, so they, uh, they had to clear the air, uh, to try to get this season turned around.
1: D-Led, what do you, from your vantage point, what do you think is the biggest difference between last year and this year? Because when you look at this Falcons team, they started 3-0, and then the last three games they've lost all three of them. Ironically, all three against AFC East opponents.
3: Yeah, no question about it. I think they started off okay. Uh, uh, You know, could have lost Chicago and Detroit games. Could really be one and five right here. Hmm. Uh, But, you know, what I don't think they were ready for was the fact that every team, even if they would have been playing the Cleveland Browns, every team was going to come at them hard. By getting to the Super Bowl, they had the attention of every team in the league, and they, uh, you know – have gotten everybody's best shot and so they've had to be on top of their game here early and uh, it's pretty clearly that uh, uh, they're struggling offensively uh, to score points and in the red zone and the defense is struggling to get off the field on third downs they didn't have any clue on how hard it was going to be with everybody coming at you you know with their guns blazing
2: Kyle Shanahan did a phenomenal job there and obviously earned the. His new position with the San Francisco 49ers, Steve Sarkeesian, is now the offensive coordinator. What's been the biggest difference that you see with the new play caller?
3: Uh, The biggest difference is he didn't learn
2: from the mistakes of
3: Shanahan. You know, Uh, he thought he could just put the same thing back in place and go with it. And, uh, you know, they didn't run the ball in the Super Bowl on third and one because they didn't believe they could power of the Patriots. And they're still uh, throwing the ball on third and short and trying to finesse things. Uh third and one against Buffalo, they throw a pass. Uh fourth and one, they throw a pass. Uh against the uh, against the uh, uh uh Patriots last week they try to jet sweep on the one yard yeah. line on fourth and goal. That's just ridiculous. So uh you know some of these players might have worked in college uh, but not in the NFL. Sometimes you got to load it up and go at people, and, and this short yardage situation is walking down the offense in the red zone.
2: Do you think when you look at this offense, and you've been covering this team for a long time, I see a talented backfield with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Do you think they need more balance going forward? Oh, yeah, no
3: question about it, because they have the ability to uh, exploit linebackers. They have uh, the ability to get out in space and make the catch, make a move, and then that's uh, going to open up things for Julio Jones and Taylor Gabriel if people have to come up and guard them. But, um, you know, they did, they've they gotten away from that in the last two games for some reason, uh, haven't been able to get their backs isolated on the, um, on the uh, linebackers. And, uh, you know, the running's there, uh, the numbers look good there. Do they need to run it more? Perhaps.
1: On the defensive side of the ball, what sticks out to me is the speed on the Falcons' defense. So if you're the Jets, what area of the defense do you think they should be trying to attack this Sunday? Well,
3: the last uh, two teams, Buffalo and New England, ran the ball right up between the A and the B gap. They uh, didn't even bother getting outside because uh, they were able to just go downhill and get the guards up to the smallest linebackers and create gaping holes. The uh, Falcons gave up 162 to to New England, 117 to the Jets, uh, or no, 138 to Miami, and 117 to Buffalo. So it's the last three teams have rushed for over 100 yards against them. That does two things. That keeps the Falcons' offense off the field, and that wears down that Falcon defense. That looks to be like a formula to, to beat the Falcons with. You know, Mo Forte and Bilal Powell, all those guys should be ready to go this week.
2: We're talking to D. Orlando Ledbetter, who covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can follow him at D. D'Orla- at Orlando AJC. Uh, D. Ledbetter, On the other side of the ball, how have teams gone about uh, trying to uh, contain this uh, Falcons offense? Because we were flying back from Miami. I looked at the score of that New England game, and I was surprised that they weren't able to put more points on the board. Um, We talked about uh, the play calling, but uh, how have teams tried to attack this uh, Falcons (coughs) offense? Because... They haven't been putting up the numbers that we're accustomed to. Yeah, no doubt. They,
3: uh, it all starts with taking away Julio Jones and uh, a lot of teams have done done that or tried to do that. He had his first touchdown last week at garbage time. So the Falcons haven't done a good job of uh, trying to move him around and get him you know, into different spots and places for, for, for uh, uh, some targets. He did get a lot last week, but like I said, the game was, you know, decided by then. If you can get him going, then, you know, you slip it to the uh, running backs uh, underneath that. And, uh, you know, a lot of the stretch runs and the outside zone runs that Kyle Shanahan built the offense on, Sarkisian hasn't been running those because uh, he gets, you know, if he doesn't get one, you know, you got to stay with it. You got to stay with those outside zone runs until you pop one. And then you bam, you come back around with the uh, with the rollouts and the uh, bootlegs, and, and bring Julio across the field, and try to hit him deep or tight ends underneath. He hasn't stuck with his rollout plans and his outside zones like Kyle would. You know he would, he, he didn't care if he stopped him eight times. He gonna run to Freeman, bust the ninth one and uh, Sarkisian's giving up a little too early on those outside zone runs that, you know, wear down defenses and get the defensive linemen tired. So uh, maybe we'll see that here uh, on Sunday when they play the
1: Jets. D-Led, I think everyone knows about Julio Jones, but what do you think of the supporting cast around him, like Muhammad Sanu, Taylor Gabriel, and Austin Hooper? What have you seen from those guys this year, and what do they need to do to help out this Falcons offense?
3: Yeah, well, Muhammad Sanu, you know, he came here with the reputation of, you know, dropping too many balls in Cincinnati. And then last year, he caught everything that came his way. So he needs to get back to that. Hooper's a second-year guy who, uh, you know, showed some signs that this might be a little too big for him. You know, he had a drop against Miami and then didn't want to talk to the media about it. You know, pouted like a kid for a couple days. So hopefully uh you know he did graduate early from college so I, hopefully i'm not being too hard on him but uh, he needs to grow up taylor gabriel had a lower leg injury and he's a smaller slot receiver guy he's never gonna carry you uh anywhere but you know when, when you throw it to him you want him to make some plays in space so i like the group it isn't changed from it's the same group they rode to the Super Bowl with last year and uh you know, just the functionality of it seems to be a little bit off off pace.
2: Defensively, what players have you liked here early this season on that Atlanta defense? Greens and uh, you talked about the speed before. Who's popping out at you defensively? And who's going to have to play well against this Jets offense that, as you know, getting into game study right now. They feature a number of different players. It's not like they have a traditional number one, number two option. Josh McCown threw to seven receivers last week, and they're using uh, three running backs in the backfield right now.
3: Yeah, and the Falcons know about Safari and Jenkins but, uh, and uh, Curley and curse They know about Curse and the Seattle connections. But, yeah, the guy I really like on the Falcons' defense, I think they need to build some more things around him is Devondre Campbell, the uh, Second year strong side backer from Minnesota. Saw him come off the blitz the last two weeks and light up uh, Brady, and uh, he had to pull off a Cutler. Uh, but he's doing well. Beasley's rounded back in the form. Uh, he's been playing with a hamstring. He should be uh, ready to go and attack the, uh, the passer this week. Deion Jones has kind of been a kind of a disappointment for me, but the middle linebacker. I really thought they built this defense for him to shine. But now that they're running, people are running the ball on him, you know, uh, uh, I'm a little bit, uh, I want to see him step that thing up. He's had 11 tackles the last two weeks. But, uh, you know, the run defense, stopping the run defense for me starts with that middle linebacker. And, uh, you know, they were getting away with playing a 230-pound middle linebacker. And uh, teams eventually were going to test that. And uh, we're seeing that testing going on right now.
2: It's way too early to call this a must-win game. But. For Atlanta to get to where they want to go, how critical is this ball game coming up after a three-and-zero start? Now they're in a three-game slide. They're coming to uh, to a Jets team that has uh, played well at home. I know a lot of external pundits didn't think much of the Jets before the season, but we know they've become a, a tough out. But as far as this Atlanta team is concerned, D-Led, um, how critical is this one on Sunday?
3: Yeah, it's very critical, and, uh, you know, Todd Bowes must be commended for getting his team uh, to play so hard when they uh, let all of their veterans go and so forth, but we know about that. But Atlanta's very critical because, uh, you know, Carolina's sitting up next. Then you've got Dallas, uh, you know, so so they uh two teams that are, you know, supposed to be fighting for the playoffs in the NFC. So uh, whenever you're on a slide like this, you need to get it stopped Get a good feeling back in that locker room. Get things turned around, moving in the right direction. And, you know, they're going to have to do the one game at a time march here to, uh, you know, be whatever they're going to be this year. They're going to be the 8-8 eight eight Falcons, you know, be, the, be that. Uh, it would be disappointing for the folks around here after last season, uh, and I, I'm sure that would bring going some changes. But uh, a few of the 11-5 Falcons get there some kind of way and uh, needs to start this week. They found out how tough it is. Um, how tough it is to be a champion, even in a conference champion. And uh, uh, if they're going to uh, get back to the playoffs, they're going to have to elevate their playoff across the board.
2: You can follow him at D Orlando AJC. That's D Orlando Ledbetter, who covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Uh, have a great trip up here uh, over the weekend, and uh, we'll see you in the MetLife Stadium press box on Sunday. All right, guys, thanks for having me, and we'll see you Sunday. All right, Green, so it's an interesting situation down there at Atlanta. You know this team is going to be looking forward to getting back on the field and in the win column, and they're going to face a feisty Jets team. When you look at their offense, as D-Led said, a lot of weapons, but they're still trying to get into a groove, into a rhythm with Steve Sarkeesian.
1: And Julio Jones you know, debatably the best receiver in the NFL. Bart
2: Bart Scott said this week he's the best uh, receiver in the NFL. All right, so
1: let's say he is the best receiver in the NFL per Bart Scott. (laughs) Julio Jones only has one touchdown catch on the year, and that was last week against the Patriots, which was a phenomenal catch, by the way. Very late in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was still a a phenomenal catch. And so I know Julio's been nicked up. Mohamed Sanu, the former Cincinnati Bengal, he was nicked up. He missed a game or two with a hamstring injury. And the thing that stuck out to me is that D-Led said the Falcons could really be 1-5 and, and against the close, Lions.
2: Yeah, close victories over the, yeah. the Lions and Chicago, too.
1: Yeah, and and that, that's just... I know probably a lot of people will point to the Super Bowl hangover. You're up 28-3, to you lose it. But I, I don't think that's the theme here. I think it's... And we'll touch on this with Chad Pennington. I think it's just more of a connection on this offense. Maybe Kyle Shanahan... Meant a little more to the offense than the eye than the public eye seems to have noticed.
2: Yeah, you know, here's something I, I didn't uh, recognize or realize until doing some pregame study this week: is Atlanta started four and three last year? Yeah, that, that's something I, I did not know, and obviously they got hot. So this is a team that can get hot. I like playing them outside in your building. I know it's un- unseasonably I, mm-hmm. warm right now up here, but. I'll take my shot up here at MetLife Stadium in front of the green and white crazies, um, you know, because they're going to make it more difficult for Matt Ryan. I think that is a different offense, a different team inside the dome. I think the Jets. Totally agree. I think the Jets have to get into a lead situation this week because then you can do anything. Because Atlanta's defense is built on speed and getting to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And p- the old Indianapolis, Indianapolis model, right, with Peyton Manning. You play inside, you play fast, you get a lead, and, the then you let those, and then you let those edge pass rushers get after the quarterback. All right, Greens, let's bring in our quarterback, Chad Pennington. Chad, uh, Jets coming off a heartbreaking loss in Miami where they had a 28-14 to lead. Couldn't hold on to it. The Dolphins come all the way back for a 31-28 win. When you were looking at the film of the fourth quarter, can you pinpoint the problems on both sides of the ball?
0: Well, Eric, I think defensively uh, throughout the whole game, I think the Jets secondary lost those man-to-man one-on-one matchup battles. I think that's where the game was won for Miami uh, was that their perimeter players, meaning their secondary, I mean their uh, wide receivers and running backs and tight ends, won those one-on-one matchups where the Jets defense lost those matchups. That's, I really believe that. Um, and I think that's that's what ultimately determined the game were those one-on-one matchups, and you hear coaches talk about that all the time. And so uh, when you play a lot of man and pressure, like the Jets uh, were doing in that game, you've got to be able to win those one-on-one matchups, and, and that, that's what you're banking on, and the Dolphins won those matchups and the Jets did not. Offensively, I think that uh, the game plan was another really good game plan. That's what's so hard about these losses here is that there are some really good things going on you're watching some really good football and in most instances you should watch a winning result but when you have a losing result after a lot of really good things that should make up a winning result I think it makes it even tougher to swallow and so that's what's concerning right now is that with a lot of these really good things going on losses are still being posted and that's what has to be rectified.
2: How important is it when you have a lead to Not necessarily score, but get a first down or two because a field position in the fourth quarter, I think this is an underrated facet of what happened there on Sunday because the Jets weren't able to get any first downs. So conversely, as you know, Miami and Matt Moore, who got hot as the game went on, he was working with short fields. Well,
0: no question about it. I mean, that's that's one of the hardest things as an offense when you have a lead. Um, you're in a catch twenty-two. You're trying to protect the lead, uh, but also be aggressive enough to post some first downs, keep your defense off the field, continue to change the field position, and keep it in your favor. And that's really hard to do sometimes. And so, I think where. that you understand that the opponent has a big-time sense of urgency because of the situation and the only way that you can take that away is to match that it doesn't mean you necessarily have to score points but you have to match that sense of urgency put some first downs out there and keep the field position in your favor
1: Chad moving forward now how difficult of a game like this how difficult is it to put behind you knowing that you had a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter and then a second part of that question, Coach Bowles talked a lot about this team needs to develop a killer instinct. In your opinion, how do you go about developing that instinct? And maybe it's just suffering a loss like this, then de- exactly, suffering a loss like this then leads to developing it because you remember that feeling later down the road.
0: Well, I think that's a perfect phrase to use by Coach Bowles. I think that he's right on the money. It, it is that killer instinct, and that's part of what we were discussing the question before. You've got to have a killer instinct. when You know you have a team on the ropes. you got to be able to put them away. And I'm just not about putting them away with it.
2: Yeah, over their last five games, the Jets are 3-2. and two. Now, granted, they are on a two-game slide right now, but if you think about it, they've had double-digit advantages in each of the last five games. Obviously, they pounded Miami at home. They had a fourth-quarter lead on Jacksonville in the fourth quarter, squandered that, but were able to fight and, uh, fight and crawl and get an overtime win. Then in Cleveland, of course, they had a 10 point lead late against new england they had a 14 point lead and then a 14 point fourth quarter lead against miami so i mean the jets have been more than just play, they've been more than just being competitive on sundays they put themselves in positions to win what do you like most about what you're seeing as a, and from a quarterback i know you had to be happy about the jets screen game on sunday
0: well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, first of all, the multiplicity offensively has been outstanding. Uh, you continue to see uh, all parts of the offense uh, being able to produce and see success, which is outstanding from a coaching staff standpoint, also from a player standpoint. The screen game was phenomenal on Sunday, uh, and really the Dolphins had a decent screen game, screen game as well. But from the Jets' standpoint, the screen game was phenomenal. Uh, they're being just very creative in how they're moving the football. And it's not static football at all. It's, it's a it's dynamic football. There's a lot of things happening, a lot of parts that are moving around. And so really, from a fan's perspective, it is fun to watch. And so now you're just starving for that victory. To see all these fun things that you see happening, you want to see that turn into a victory. And I think you know when we talk about losing leads, the Patriots game doesn't bother me as much because that's an early lead, and early leads to me don't matter. You got to play four four quarters, but the leads where you have them in the fourth quarter, and you're either turning them into close games or you're losing those games, that's that's definitely a concern, and that's that killer instinct that Coach Bowles is talking about that this team has to develop.
1: Moving forward to this week, the Falcons come to MetLife Stadium. They're on a three game slide, but everyone knows that this Atlanta team is very powerful on offense. It has a lot of weapons. So, if you're from a defensive standpoint, how do you first go approaching this Atlanta offense? What do you try to limit first?
0: Well, I think it's more just about uh, the Jets' defense and not necessarily about the Atlanta's offense. I think that, you know, multiplicity and their coverage is. A multiplicity of what they're doing down after down to provide as many looks as possible and continue uh, communicating with each other will be the
2: Collins, a veteran quarterback, he's played a lot of football in his 15-year career. Uh, Obviously, he's going to be very frustrated with the outcome in Miami, but I think he's a guy, as we've seen, he's very steady and I think he'll be able to move on quick. But would you give him any advice right now if you had a chance to speak to him? Well,
0: first of all, uh, my advice would be – You know, 80% of what you're doing, Josh, is outstanding. Uh, I mean, he is playing really good football. He is playing, on a whole, he is playing winning football. The issue with the Jets right now is the margin for error is very small. So that other 20% as a quarterback where you let one or two plays become a disaster play, that's what's affecting your overall uh, win-loss record. And so somehow, some way, he just got to find a way to avoid those disasters. That's all. Just find those ways to avoid those disasters, whether it be an interception or a turnover. It could be so much as a sack that changes field position. Uh, but for the most part, what he's doing and how he's playing, it's been, it's been phenomenal. He's doing exactly what he needs to do to lead this team. There's just a couple things that he can clean up to give his team a better, uh, better chance
2: to win. Yeah, he just wasn't able to see that trap coverage over there, and by the time he did, it was just a second too late as that ball came out and floated out. But uh, he counted for four touchdowns in Miami with one running TD, a sneak, and then the three touchdown passes. And he is off to the second most accurate start for a Jets passer through seven games in the franchise's history. Just a little nick behind a guy by the name Chad (laughs) Pennington. Hey, uh, other side of the ball, though, Chad. Uh, Real quick, how difficult is it for Matt Ryan right now? You mentioned he's got the new offensive coordinator in Sark. Obviously, he was in lockstep with Kyle Shanahan before the latter took the head coaching position in San Francisco. How long does it take for a quarterback with a new coordinator after flourishing and, and uh, with another guy and being really familiar and knowing what each is thinking?
0: Very rarely does a quarterback just hit it off immediately uh, with the play caller and the coordinator. Um, even with Matt Ryan and Shanahan, they didn't hit it off the first year. They struggled. Yep. And in the second year is when they really came into their own. And... The reason for that is as a quarterback, you're trying to find a way to be in the head of a play caller. And as a play caller, you're trying to find a way to be in the head of a quarterback uh, and trying to get uh, on that same page from a thinking standpoint. It really doesn't have anything to do with how plays are called or what plays are being put in the game plan. It has to do with the thought process on, okay, Uh, Coach Sarkeesian called this play on first and ten. What's he thinking? He then calls this same play on third and five. Now what's his thinking? It's the same play, but two different situations. And so that takes time to work with each other, to gain a feel for each other, to learn each other inside and out, on the field and off the field. That plays into the psyche of the quarterback as well as the play caller. And that's what you're seeing right now. It's simple as that, as well as the coordinator trying to learn The other parts of the Falcons' offense, meaning how do I use Julio Jones? How do I use Samu? How do I use the running game? What do I do to complement the defense? That type of thing. So uh, there's a lot of, um, just from a mental process standpoint, a lot of change going on and a lot of people trying to figure each other out, and that's why you're seeing that type of result that you have with the Falcons right now.
1: Just jumping off that point in turn is how special – is what's happening between Josh McCown and John Morton
0: well I agree I think that it's one of these rare circumstances where you feel like the quarterback and the coordinator they they get it they get each other and that's a little bit of that just luck right I mean you can't it's hard to just match personalities and match that up and say, yeah this is going to work right and it takes a lot of hard work and I'm sure that they're still working on some of those things but uh, for these first seven games I think you have to really like what you've seen from the offensive side both from a play calling standpoint and also from an execution standpoint. Like I said earlier, you're not seeing static football. You're not seeing boring football. You're seeing some really good execution and some high-level football, and this is just the tip of the iceberg, I think, especially with these guys only working with each other for, let's say, four to five months. So, uh, But it's a good thing to see, and, and it's something that, that could certainly be special.
2: Well, Chad, as always, we appreciate your time. We look forward to speaking to you next week. Thank you, guys. Greens, I think the key thing that Chad just said is defensively, what you can anticipate from the Jets this week is they're going to show Matt Ryan different coverages throughout. I think that's what you're going to have to do. That Atlanta passing game, I consider it a vertical passing game. He'll take deep drops and try to get that ball down the field. So whatever kind of pass rush you can get, whether that's the interior or off the edges, good stuff because sometimes – He's going to take those deep drops, but the Jets are going to have to mix up their coverages this week.
1: This could be one of the weeks where we see a lot of a lot of the four safety look to cover a lot of ground, especially just because of the speed of this Falcons offense. I mean, when you mix in Julio, Muhammad Sanu, Taylor Gabriel is a speedster in the slot there that D-Led talked about. And then Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, they're re- reliable hands out of the backfield. I'm not quite sure how often either of them are used, but those two guys are hard to bring down. They both have an average of over four on the ground for their careers. So they get downhill pretty quickly despite Devontae Freeman's size. He's he's pretty powerful. And conversely, is I'm really looking forward to see what the Jets do on offense yep. on the ground. Because the Jets recently released Travars Cadet. That means all three running backs are fully healthy. Matt Forte, Bilal Powell, Eli McGuire. And if Two out of those three guys really get going on the ground. And you eat up a lot of time. And Peter King was in studio and told this to us when the Buffalo Bills went to Atlanta, went to the Dome, said they went on an 11-minute drive to neutralize the Falcons' offense. Matt Ryan was not on the field. And to be frank, maybe that's a formula that the Jets could try to emulate on Sunday. It's
2: a good it's a good defense. Atlanta has a good defense. The thing that jumped out to me over the last three games if they're they're finding different ways to lose you know you mentioned the way the bills came into the new stadium down there in Atlanta and they controlled the clock a ball control offense and then Miami falls behind by 17 points and comes all the way back not at home like they did against the Jets on the road for the victory and then in New England Atlanta played, I don't want to say desperate football, but they were taking some chances early, fourth downs, things like that, in an effort to scoring some points, and it didn't work out for them. So they're finding different ways to lose early, and their team, even though they represented the NFC in the Super Bowl, is they're trying to find themselves. Bottom line, I think the Jets continue to find more things about themselves along the way, and I really think that despite a couple of losses here overall they're playing good football
1: before we uh, head out here on the official jets podcast game preview ea this weekend the jets try to climb back to 500 we're basically at the midway point of the season here after this week what do the jets need to do what's one or two things that this team needs to do in order to reach back to 500
2: so it's going to be simple for me you limit atlanta to field goals you make it very difficult for them inside the red zone. They had a tough time converting last week against New England. Conversely, offensively, you continue to finish with touchdowns. You play at least even in the turnover differential department, and you get the penalties down. With that, if you can do all three of those things, you're going to be in good shape. You'll be in 500 at the midway point.
1: Once again we had D Orlando led better D led from the Atlanta Journal Constitution and as always our quarterback Chad Pennington Jets Falcons this Sunday 1 p.m. MetLife Stadium midway point of the NFL season it may be a little warmer for October 29th than in years past Hey how
2: about this one this is the start of a two games in what four or five days for the Jets because yep. 24-hour rule. It's going to be like a four-hour rule Sunday <laughs> in the locker room because right. no matter what happens, the Jets got to turn the page because the Buffalo Bills are coming here the following Thursday night. Color and, rush alert. And, and before you know it, it's going to be nine games through the season. So let's see if the Jets can take advantage of some home cooking here, get a win, and then... Set their sights on the Buffalo Bills, but uh, this is gonna be a fun contest.
1: That's how you put a bow on the official Jets podcast game preview. Once again, Jets Falcons, 1 p.m. MetLife Stadium. For Eric Allen, I'm Ethan Greenberg.